Dave, we want to release you to bring the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for all that you have placed in Dave, that reservoir of truth over many years. And Father, we ask right now you'd give us listening ears and obedient hearts to receive that and an understanding, Father, that will enable us to put into practice what he's bringing forth today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 One more notice, as well. remember, the street evangelism, evangelism team are out in Derby this afternoon. So if you want to get involved in that, go and see Shambia uh, and others. Excellent. One the, the silk's good this morning. I'm, it's really blessing me. You know, I'm not a creative person, but I see what's happening. And particularly when it's kind of coordinated, albeit spontaneously, it's there. So, yeah. So I now release the children. I think most have been released already. No, you're not a child. You're, you're just a bit... A child in heart. Is that it? Okay. Um, it was fantastic, wasn't it? It was, it was, very, it was beautiful. And you know, certainly the looks on some of the, particularly the little ones' faces, they were lost in it. And that's a real act of worship. It's good. God unlocked something, didn't he, a couple of weeks ago at Touchpoint. He got to send the fins in to help us through it. Those British reserves, we need you know, a, a more liberated country to come and release that to us. And it, it did something to us all. Who was impacted, who was, who was here on, on, the, on the Touchpoint weekend? The create, I mean, we had artwork, didn't we? Up at the back there and over here. And silks, obviously. And, and, and all sorts of other things were happening. And, you know, we want, as a leader, we want to be faithful to what God has started. We don't want to stifle it in any way whatsoever. Also, we don't want a free-for-all. So we want to find our right way through this. And what I want to say to you is that if God has sown a seed in you creatively and you just don't quite know how to express that or how it needs to come out, can I ask you that in the first instance you have a conversation with Jean? Stand up, Jean, for those who don't know Jean is. Jean is, right? So let's have a little... So if... it. If you feel as though there's something bubbling into you, it's no use talking to me, I'm not a creative person. You talk to G and say, look, this is, this is where I'm at. This is what God seems to be saying to me. Then, then Gene will just listen to you and pray with you. And, that, and we'll just see. We'll just start this journey as to what we can do to try and unlock a, a creative element within, the, within our house. Yeah? It's all right busting it in. But let's have it our own version of it. Is that all right? See, I'm not a creative person. Those who don't know me, I'm a scientist. That's my background. I'm a scientist. For those who are interested in those things, I'm allowed to put nine letters after my name. <laughs> creative science, yeah. Um, I don't put those letters after my name because I'd have to pay some money to the Royal Society of Chemistry if I did that. That's my discipline. It's chemistry, you see, and I'm not going to pay their money now because I don't, don't use it in my job anyway. But I'm entitled to, so that's, that's my background. Shall I teach you a bit of chemistry? Shall I teach you a bit of science? Would you like that? Some people think chemistry, science, is a different language. So I'm going to teach you a different language this morning. So you're going to say after me. All right? Are you ready? Trust me, this is all right. Don't worry. Ha-he. Can you say ha-he? Ha-he. All right, that was an easy one. Now, libeb knofni. Have you got that one? Libeb knofni. Right? Next one. Namgal Sipskla. Are you ready? Namgal Sipskla. Now, Kakar. Easy. Kakar. Now the tough one. Skativ Krum Fikonikusen. Are you ready? Skativ Krum Fikonikusen. Now, have you remembered all of that? 
what you've just done is you've just named the first 30 elements of the periodic table. That's what you've just done, you see. When I did my degree, I could actually write the entire periodic table. It's one of those nerdy things I could do. I've forgotten most of it now. All that means is that I could I know the pointless answers when I'm watching Pointless, as long as it's about the periodic table, which it often is. And it's great. You know. Question comes on, can you, you know, create the name of a country from elements or elements with the letter S in it? I think it was this last week. Pointless answer every time. It's fantastic. No use for anything else. You know, that's eight years of my life gone. Never use it now. To be fair, Margaret Thatcher had a chemistry degree as well. I don't think she used it in her main part of her career. So uh, I'm in good company. But that's science. You know, and science is, um, and, and, and thought and mathematics and philosophy, is, you know, it underpins a lot of what we do. And I want to talk to you a little bit about a scientist or a mathematician, to be fair. Well, a guy who went to the same hairdressers as Boris Johnson, um, Albert Einstein. Now, Albert Einstein is very famous, of course, for the theory of... Now, you're all wrong. It's the theory of special relativity. The theory of relativity came out by Newton. That's just a little bit of nerdiness for you there. <coughs> right? Um, the theory of special relativity. But how he, he got his mind working is he did some thought experiments. And it's quite famous that he introduced this concept of a thought experiment. If you ever watch Sherlock, you'll know about um, going to the mind palace. You know, that sort of... You know, and Einstein did this sort of thing. One thought experiment you'll probably be aware of is he, he said that if two twins, one of them got into a spaceship and flew at the speed of light and then landed back down again, and, he, and the other twin hadn't, that they would have aged differently. Now, that's a thought experiment. You can't really do it. You don't have spaceships that travel at the speed of light. It was just the concept of trying to understand what happens with time and space the speed of light and things like that. Okay. Now, it's actually been proven to be true because they've actually done similar things with not twins but atomic clocks, very accurate clocks, put one up in a spaceship, bring it back again, and the clocks turn different times. But the issue was, or the, the idea is that it started off in his head, thought experiment. Other ones are things like, if you travelled at the speed of light, what could you see? You think, well, if you realize that scientists are do about light getting into your eye, but if you could travel at that, is the world black? Is the world white? You know, it's interesting. Well, it is if you're a bit nerdy like me. But the one particular thought experiment I want to talk about today is one where he said, imagine you lived in a two-dimensional world. Imagine you were a carpet tile. We don't have carpet tiles here, but that's what he, he kind of said, or a tile. What would you... What would the world be like? So I've got a few you know, bits of board here and a few sheets of metal just as visual aids. He said, imagine this was your world. Now, I, before you correct me, I know this is a few millimeters thick, but for the purpose of my demonstration, there is no third dimension on this. Otherwise, I couldn't hold it. Are we all right with that? Okay. So it's got length and depth, but it hasn't got thickness. Okay. So this is a two-dimensional object. So I'm going to run out of hands here. So if... You were a two-dimensional object, and your friend was a two-dimensional object. You would meet like that. Are you with me? And you'd say, hi, how are you? And you'd say, a bit sad, really. Why? What's the matter? Feel a bit flat. Don't, don't ruin my punchline there, Gordon. I was working for that one. 
Why? What's the matter? Girlfriend says I'm boring. Did she really? Well, she said I was square. Uh, well, you're not a square, you're a rectangle. I'll tell her that then. Okay, so you'd, you'd see the world just through the contacts that you made around your edges. Got it? And if somebody came along and said, do you know there is a third dimension? You'd go, hey, mumbo jumbo, crazy. I'm very comfortable with my four friends, because <laughs> you've only got four friends, because uh, you've only got four edges, haven't you? Um, nothing ever happens on top or underneath because that doesn't exist. Yeah? So if I, was a, if I was placed like this, I would know there's a carpet. The concept of a, of a ceiling makes no sense to me. Or if I was this way, the concept of a carpet and a ceiling make no sense at all. But at a push, I might be able to meet other things on my dimension. So it's a thought experiment. So Einstein would just, I won't go with what he was trying to develop from it, but as Christians, this is actually quite powerful. See, we live in a three-dimensional world, don't we? We have height, we have depth, some of us have a bit more breadth than uh, we'd like to admit to. Okay, don't correct me, I appreciate we have four dimensions, time being the fourth, but for the purpose of simplicity, can we just call it three? Are we all right with that, right? So we live in a three-dimensional world. And if somebody came along saying, do you know there is another dimension? You would say, mumbo jumbo, it's ridiculous. I can see and touch things in my dimensions, but another dimension makes no sense to me. Just like Mr. Carpet Tile, Mr. Piece of 2D, has no concept of what this extra dimension is. Can you see in our world, if somebody tried to convince you there was another dimension... It would make no sense whatsoever. So let's look in 1 Corinthians, shall we? 1 Corinthians. Chapter 15. I'm covered in bits of fluff off the cardboard now, isn't it? One Corinthians chapter 15. I hope you've got your Bibles with you. Verse 45, where we're going. Bible or your uh, electronic fruit-based device, whatever you're working on. Have we got that? Right, so 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 45. Sorry, verse 45. Verse 45, thank you. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. Then the spiritual. The first man is from earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit, inherit the imperishable. So, through Adam, we were born earthy in three dimensions. But through the second Adam, through Jesus, we were born spiritually, and a new dimension was opened to us. 
And without access into that spiritual dimension, the mumbo-jumbo, as a man would say, as a human would say, you know, that extra level that makes no sense, without that, it actually says we can't inherit the kingdom of God. You know, the spiritual is that important. So we've got taste, touch, smell, hearing, sight, and a spiritual sense as well that we need to have access into this other spiritual dimension. And as we embrace that, and you know, the act of becoming a Christ- Christian is acknowledging there is something beyond that which I can see, feel, smell, touch, taste. It's saying, okay, I believe in you, God. I cannot see you, but I believe you're there. I cannot touch you, but I kind of feel your presence. That's where it all begins. And we take a step into another dimension. I'm preaching Star Wars and Star Trek, really, aren't I? We're going into another dimension, but you're with me. I'm just saying into the spiritual dimension. And that changes our lives. Because as soon as we have experienced that, then we see our earthly lives different. We see, we see ourselves through spiritual eyes. We, we use that phrase, don't we? I, I think about it spiritually. What does that mean? It means I can see things through my fourth dimensional glasses. I can see things differently now. And as we continue this, and I would suggest it really comes alive when you accept the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's when you really begin to start communicating in another dimension. That's when you begin to experience it. I'm going in and out. This is real. This is fine. I'm moving in the Spirit. What does that mean? It means I'm experiencing things in a dimension I can't even describe to you. Are you with me? This explains things like healing and deliverance. How can, how can people be demon-possessed? It's not in our dimension set, but it is spiritually. How can miraculous healing and miracles happen? Because in the natural, it cannot happen. Quite right. In the natural, it cannot happen. We accept that. However, I'm not operating in the natural. I'm operating in the supernatural. I'm operating in my spiritual dimension, and I'm bringing a bit of truth from that into the reality of my earthly existence. The vocabulary is difficult, and that's why a lot of church words, we've, and over history, they've, they've, got, they've often been tainted. That's all it means. A miracle happened means a bit of that otherworldliness came into my reality. And I can see it now. It has affected me. Just like the wind blowing, I can see the flags and the trees moving, but I can't see the wind. So a bit of that something else has now stepped over into my dimensions, and I can see the reality of it. Things changed. Wow. It can only happen if you spend some time in that other dimension. As you develop a journey that takes you in and out. Yeah? You're not letting go of your earthliness. You're not going into a trance. That's kind of that's what that would be. You're saying, I'm I I know what it's like. I can I can pray. 
pray. What does that mean? It means I'm stepping into my other dimension, my spiritual dimension. I'm connecting with Heavenly Father. And I'm saying, I love you. And I want you. And you've impacted my life, and I want to give everything back to you. You're here with me, but yet you're not. I feel as though you're here, but I can't see you because I'm seeing you with my other dimension eyes. Amazing, isn't it? It changes you. You know the story of the transfiguration, don't you? And they came back. I forgot who it was now. Who went up with Jesus? Transfiguration. Peter and John. Thank you. And they came back, and they were the ones glowing. Moses went up to get the um, Ten Commandments, you know, and the Torah, and he came back, and he was glowing. Because he's kind of done this sort of transaction where he's almost physically gone into this other dimension, and he'd been impacted so much, he'd caught a bit of it. It was not natural what happened to those people. Quite right. It was spiritual. It was supernatural. And it had a very visible impact. And you know, we are transfigured, we're transformed every time we step into that. That's why we should do it all the time. People will see it on our faces. They will know there is, quotes, something different about you. We haven't quite got to the stages where we're actually glowing. But there's a sense where something from within you is bursting out and affecting those friends, family, work colleagues, neighbors, etc. Because you can't help it. Because it's here coming out and it's something very different about you. So can you imagine saying to, to somebody, let me explain to you all about the things of the Spirit. Let me explain to you that even though I am what you can see, I actually can operate in a whole new dimension. You'd, they'd think you were crazy. Just as much as Einstein would have said, if this person here in his two-dimensional world was to begin to pretend or talk about a mythical third dimension. How can, how can this piece of two-dimensional board or piece of metal that I have here, how can it express another dimension? It can't do it, can it? You know, the best I can do is I can touch the carpet here, but it's not going to hit the ceiling. If I, if I hold it like this, the concept of that back wall and my wife over there means nothing to this because it only knows things in this dimension. How can a two-dimensional object have three dimensions? I'm going to show you. This piece of metal. A two-dimensional object. How can this have three dimensions? What can you see reflected in this? Is it my wife and the back wall? And yet, it's only in two dimensions. And yet, but somehow, it has a third dimension. Can you see that? But it's only this thick. It doesn't exist. And yet, it appears to. He can say to his friends, let me show you something you have never, ever seen before. <gasps> what is this world? But you're the same as me. Yeah, but I've got something that I've got access to. You're all feeling uncomfortable because I'm reflecting yourself, aren't I? Don't do it anymore, Dave. Isn't that amazing? 
two dimensions acting as though it has three. That's you as a Christian. Three dimensions acting as though you have a spiritual dimension. What makes this different? 1 Corinthians 13, 12, you don't need to turn to it. Now we see in a mirror dimly or a glass dimly, but then face to face. 2 Corinthians 3.18 talks about beholding in a mirror, we're transformed into the same image. Image. That's all what that is. It's an image. But it was an image of reality, wasn't it? I didn't put up a TV screen where I'd done a PowerPoint presentation and, you know, that was, I showed you reality. And you know it's reality because you were in it. I showed you a reality image, an image of reality that was compressed into a thin film. Let's go into 2 Corinthians 3, actually. Let's do that. Two Corinthians three verse fourteen. But their minds were hardened. For until this very day at the reading of the old covenant the same veil remains unlifted. A veil. Now we see in a mirror, but then it's dimly. Or we are seeing the image veiled. Verse 15, but to this day, whenever Moses read, a veil lies over the heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Lord is the Spirit. So the image is just like an exercise or an exploration into that other dimension. I can see him. I can feel him. In my spiritual experience, I can see, feel, experience him. It's there. It makes no sense, but it's there. I can see it. And in that process, 2 Corinthians 3 says, we are being transformed to be like him. Just like Peter and John and Moses, that when they spend present, spending time in the presence, in that spiritual dimension, they're changed. You're changed. I'm changed. Now, we don't have to spend time in the spiritual dimension. There are plenty of Christians who don't. But if you do, it will change you. It will transform you. Hebrews 10.1 says... For the law, since it was only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make perfect those who draw, year, draw near. The law, you know, the religion, is but a shadow. It is a veiled face. The reality is him. Okay, Scripture, the Lord is going to help us and guide us and help us understand. That's great. That's fine but it is leading us to him. And if we choose to not ex exercise our spiritual dimension, 
all we have is law and scripture. And as good as that is, it will not necessarily transform us to be like him. We will learn, we'll understand, and we'll be better people, and we'll be good, and we'll be saved, but we're missing out on that extra dimension in our lives. Romans 1. Bless you. I'm already blessed. I didn't need to do that. Okay. Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident from them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through that which was made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened, professing to be wise, etc. Et it then goes on talking about the sins of... Uh, Sins of the flesh, verse, verse 23, and exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Now, it's talking about idolatry, but it's saying if you choose to transfer the image of God into an earthly image, well, that's idolatry. What I showed you here in this mirror was an image Okay, so it's an image. So in, in our spiritual dimension, we we are we are experiencing an image of God, or an image being impressed upon our earthly dimensions. If we say, "I don't need that," I want to express it within the dimensions I understand. That becomes idolatry. You're saying, "I don't need the real presence of you in my life," because I, in biblical times have a statue to worship. In modern times, many other things would take its place. Idolatry is about recognizing an image that is static and dead. A mirror is an image that is alive and real. Yes? So, if you can take the leap into the spiritual analogy, if we say, I don't need the spiritual life. I don't need all this mumbo-jumbo. I'm quite happy with that which I can see, feel, and taste. We're actually laying ourselves open to idolatry because that which is motivating us, that which is driving us, that which we're putting our passion, passion in is physical. A thousand years of the Catholic Church will show you how, that, how religion becomes a physical manifestation of religion the idol worship might be all good stuff and you know that was an easy target i'm sure there's plenty of charismatic churches whereas the idols have now become the way we do things the songs that we sing the fact of who's preaching it's the way we do our religion it's still idolatry and this verse in romans then goes on to talk about Therefore, I gave them over to the sins, to the lusts of the flesh, and all the abominations that came with it. And of course, when you see a therefore in Scripture, you have to look and see what it's there for. 
So the sins of the flesh came because of an idolatry. The idolatry because they transferred the real image of him into something they understood. Or something that was tangible. That's where the sin comes from. That's where God says, there's not a lot I can do for you. I'm giving you over to those sins. Because without the reality of me and my spiritual life, you're powerless. Until you've actually embraced the fact that I am a spirit. And you are a spirit. And we communicate and converse as I always planned it in this extra dimension. If you're cutting yourself off from that, you're open to, to the, the list that carries on, I won't bother reading it, of all the things that could be bad in your life. Because you're substituting the real image of me, says God, with the physical image of what you would like me to be. Be it a religious or an irreligious thing. Are you with me? Colossians 3. Just a couple more verses. And I hope that hopefully I'll have made my point. Colossians 3, verse 5. Okay, therefore consider the members of your body, Colossians 3, verse 5, the members of your body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, etc. The same sort of list that we had in Romans. Um, and then if, if you go down to, 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 to verse... 10, and you've put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of him who created. You're saying, I know that I only operate in that which I see and feel and taste and touch, but I'm willing to get the image of you into my life so that all those sins on that list, that so easily ensnare us can't because I'm operating in this other dimension, in this other level. It's the image of him. It's the reality of him expressed within our mortal bodies, mortal lives, that changes us. It's not about us going into some trance-like state and into another, oh, now I'm a different person. It's, it's come into my reality. Just like a mirror in a, in a two-dimensional world, I'm, I'm now expressing as far as the eye could see, more than I could even imagine. It's all there, albeit within my experience. It's the power of the spiritual dimension within us. So finally, Romans 8. And verse 26. Romans eight twenty six. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he... F- Foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn amongst many brethren. 
some, all these, some good verses that we know very well. And buried within a lot of them is the concept of his image. Can you see? So when you read that, just think of the mirror containing so much in this dimension that does not exist as far as a mirror is concerned. His image will change you. It will change me. In a dimension we don't understand that we, for convenience, call the spiritual dimension. Okay? Father, I just want to pray for us. Father, I thank you that you are opening eyes all the time in our experience. Lord, I thank you that um, you have given us the uh, ability to experience you through our spiritual senses and in so doing to be transformed into your likeness, to shed sin, uh, to become more like you and for that to be visible to those around us. Father, I thank you that by, uh, if we allow ourselves to say, I'm up for this. I want to move into this spiritual dimension. I want it to taste it in my spiritual taste buds so that I can be changed. Lord, your response to that was, what have, I been, wait- what have you been waiting for? Lord, I, Father, I thank you that your heart is so much for us, so much that you want to... Um, present yourselves in our lives. Just while I've got our heads bowed, if there's anybody here that has never really had an experience of the Holy Spirit, has never really, what I've been saying sounds plausible but not part of your reality, just stick your hand in the air. I just want you to make a declaration between you and God. It says, look, this is not really part of my experience, but I want to, I just want to pray for you and release the Holy Spirit onto you this morning. I want to release a, a, a spiritual baptism on you this morning so that you can be deeper in that relationship with him. If you've dipped your toe in the water and you've never committed yourself to anything further than that, just stick your hand up so I can see you. Well, not really so that I can see you, so that God can see that you're making that stance. And I'll just pray for you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Okay, well, thank you for your honesty. Lord, I just release a powerful baptism of the Holy Spirit onto the willing heart this morning. I release you to open eyes, to open ears, to open smell and taste and touch into a whole new experience so that that person will be able to testify and say something changed in my life this morning and I am transformed more into his image. Amen. 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 There you go. You've had a bit of science this morning. So... uh, so how much of the periodic table have you remembered? I didn't tell you there's a quiz at the end. There's always a quiz at the end. Okay, maybe not.